Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my passion in life to teach you how to be productive in our distracted world. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to take the seven-day productivity challenge. You can do that by going to my website, mrproductivity.com. Mr. is all spelled out. Give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you how to be more productive. That's all at Mr productivity.com. Today on the show, Emily Goudreau. She is a former Playboy photographer and is now an anti-porn activist and sexual abuse prevention educator. She is a woman on, on a mission to stop the cycle of sexual trauma and open our eyes to the high price we're paying for our pornified culture. Now, this is an episode which is not meant for younger listeners. So if you have little ones near you or people who may be offended by this topic, there is no explicit language or vulgarity, but we do talk about some sexual things on the show. You might want to plug in some headphones. This is an episode everyone needs to hear. What you're going to hear on this episode is going, well, it should shock you. So without any further ado, here's my episode with Emily. Emily, welcome to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. What is up, Mark? The temperature, Emily, it's 78 <laughs> degrees here in Houston. I know it's a, a, a little bit chillier there where you are in Denver. I got my little chopped off finger gloves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm rocking the, I don't know what look this is, but it's not, um, it's not super polished. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it's okay. It's not a video podcast. It's okay. Uh, but I used to live in Rochester, New York. I moved to Houston to get away from the cold and the snow and the ice and the sleet and all that stuff. I don't do that winter stuff anymore. So my heart does go out to you in a way because you could move to warmer climate. So I know. And then I'd be complaining about the heat. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know. I'd rather have it 100 <laughs> degrees than zero degrees. I'm just saying. Truth. Truth, Mark. <laughs> well, as I said to you, listener, in the opening, and I'm going to reiterate it again, just in case you're one of those people that fast forward to the opening, we are going to be talking about a very sensitive and delicate topic on this episode. So if you have little ones around the uh, around your area, you might want to plug your headphones in. We're not going to use any explicit language or swearing, but it's a very delicate topic that we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about sexual abuse and mainly sexual abuse in children. And like I said, you might want to use headphones or listen to this episode later. So Emily, you deal with people or you help people, I should say, who are going through the trials or have gone through the trials of sexual abuse. Am I correct? Actually, I, I'm a more of a prevention expert, I okay. would say. And I do, I mean, I do help folks once they get to the point where they're like, Hey, Emily, this strange thing happened. Do I need to be worried? And 90% of the time I have the wonderful gift of saying, no, that behavior from your child is 100% perfectly normal. And you have nothing to worry about. And if it's something that's a, a red flag or it's grooming or it's clearly signs that a child is being sexually abused, then we we get a little bit of a strategy together and get them the right therapists and the forensic examiners and all that not so fun stuff. My jam 
is everything before that okay for making sure it doesn't happen in the first place um and also being able to identify if there's anything um not up to par going on okay well why don't you give us some statistics which i'm sure are going to cause people to pause so share with them uh, share with us some of the statistics that really will drill the point home that this is not something that uh, is a minor problem in our country yeah so the 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 most, I guess is the one we hear the most, but I, it's, it's one of those where no matter if you've heard it before, just really let it sink in that one in five girls is sexually abused. So, you know, just get a visual around that. Think about like a five, five of the girls that you know at the school or whatever, they will be sexually abused by the time they're 18. And it's, it's one in like, 18 to 20 boys, that statistic is fairly loose. But this is the one that people don't realize or don't focus on is 90% of the time, the person that's going to hurt those kids is somebody the family knows, likes, and trusts. This is not, I call it the Yeti. So many times we're like freaking out about the guy in Ikea giving kids high fives. Stranger danger, the dude at Ikea, that's not what we need to worry about. We need to worry about the people who have access to our kids that we trust. That's where the predators are. Hmm. That's pretty sobering to hear that. 90% is someone that the family knows, likes, and trusts, which you're talking about maybe brothers, sisters, parents, yes. aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, that kind of thing. Yep. Yep. So here's, here's what I say is if you, this is why this is an epidemic and this is what I've been studying. I talked to therapists, I talked to abuse survivors, I talked to the forensic pediatric nurse examiners, and I talked to convicted abusers really trying to figure out what the deal is. And then the number one problem is we have this false uh, idea that we can, uh, we're good judge, judge a character, that we have the ability to say, ah, that's a good person or that's not, or this person would do this or this person wouldn't do that. And we do not have in general, if you're not a sexual abuser, you don't have the mind of a predator. You don't know how they think. And, you know, even consultants in the FBI that do profiling and to detect whether somebody's lying or not have a 50% accuracy rate. We stink at judging whether somebody has the ability to hurt a child or not. Wow. You can't do it. Just don't even try. You can't do it. And the more likely you are to say, there's no way that person would ever do that. The like that, that's the kind of thought process you need to be very, very aware of. If you were like, no way, they would never do that. You need to have a system in place that no matter who it is, no matter how much you trust them, that your, your prevention system that you have in your family and have in place will protect your kids. Now, when you told us the statistic of one in five girls, what age group are you referring to? 
You know, it all, it, it's, it depends. Um, I would say kids around the age of like f- between seven and 12, that's probably where most of them come from. It's from uh, zero to 18. But I would say that seven to 12. And it's really that phase where parents let go a little bit more. They're not quite as involved. You know, the whole pre seven years just wore the parents out and they're like, goodness, will somebody please just like, <laughs> take over here a little bit. That's the danger zone. And it's also the danger zone for at the, at the around 12 to 14. That's when children tend to act out on other children. Talk to us a little bit about, let's say someone has been sexually abused. Do they have a higher likelihood of abusing themselves or is there no firm dad on that. You know, Mark, it's it's a tr- it's a super super tricky topic because it's it falls in line with kind of criminal profiling. And I don't I don't have firm data and I actually don't know I don't know if there's regulations on it. It's not something that uh, people like to report on, but I will say that I am working on a a project where we're trying to figure out if somebody is sexually abused specifically, if they're male, they've been sexually abused. What is the game changer between the ones who do abuse and the ones who don't? So there's, there is definitely potential there. If anytime you have your, sexuality manipulated through pornography or abuse, you've got some glitches going on unless you've gone through some serious therapy. There needs to be a lot of support and therapy going on to be a healthy sexual human being beyond that. Okay. Well, I want to give people some practical, simple things they can do. So let's, the first thing I want to address is let's say someone found this episode on the interwebs and they just happen to listen to it and either they're currently being abused sexually or maybe they think back a couple years ago, three, four years ago and said, you know what? I don't think what Uncle Fred did was right or Aunt Mary did was right. What can they do? And let's say they haven't talked to anybody at this point. They're like, okay, that's me. What can they do? What help can they get today? So my favorite organization, it's called RAIN. That's R-A-I-N-N dot org. And they have a hotline and they've got like a digital chat line. They are the go-to. They're going to help you if you suspect anybody's being abused, if you have been abused, you know, whatever, whatever kind of situation you're in, they're, they're awesome. I absolutely love everything that they do. And, you know, there are, this is what's interesting is a, a lot, you know, with, with a lot of the Me Too cases that came up here in the United States, people are like, how come you didn't report? How come you didn't say something, whatever? It takes a very long time for the brain, once, once there's trauma, the brain likes to encapsulate that trauma so you can get on with life. It just goes, all right, that thing happened. And you might, you might know it happened, but it won't register like, oh, that really shouldn't have happened and I'm going to do something about it. 
it just gets pocketed away in this little compartment until one day you see it for the first time. And a lot of time, like with the Me Too movement, this this happened to me, even with the work that I do. I was drugged and raped in high school. And I always knew that, but I never had any, uh, I would have never called it rape. I would have never seen myself as a victim. Like I, I still don't see myself as a victim, but people even ask, like, has anything ever happened to you? Have you been ever been raped? And then no, 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 no. Until one day I was like, what? Whoa. Yeah. Gosh, Emily. Wow. That's what is that? (laughs) So this stuff does come up and it can take a long time before you're actually ready or your brain thinks that you're ready to handle it. Hmm. Do you think people in their minds justify you know, what happened, whatever the sexual abuse was said, well, it was probably my fault or maybe it wasn't what I thought it was. Do you think people try to justify it as a way to deal with it? Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. For, I mean, I can say mine, I wasn't, it wasn't child abuse, but it was, I definitely thought, and this is, this is classic. And this is what predators abusers do with kids is they prey on that piece to make them feel like they were a part of it. And this is one thing that I, I teach parents to talk to their kids about. Um, and we're going to talk about it on the adult level. And then we can talk about how we talk to kids, but it's um, it's, it's called arousal non-concordance. And it's when you're with, They've done studies and with men, they show them images that they would kind of like click. I, I, I don't actually know the mechanics on how they judged it, but like when they were aroused, they would say, yes, I'm aroused. And it was countered by their physical, basically blood, blood flow to the genitals. Only 10% of the time, I'm sorry, 50% of the time with the males, was it accurate? And it's only accurate 10% of the time with their physical arousal, with a mental arousal being in alignment. So this is something that's really important with kids who, um, or anybody really who sees pornography is if they see something and they become physically aroused, that does not define their sexual preference. And on the other side of that, if somebody is sexually abused, and they become sex- physically aroused, they have an orgasm, vaginal wetness, any of that erection during the abuse, that does not mean that they gave permission. Does that make sense? Is that, is that making any sense yeah, to you? Yeah, it, it it's very fascinating what you just said, because I think most people, and even I, I'm thinking, okay, if you become aroused, well, certainly then you know it's okay. But you're saying that there, your brain is operating at two different levels. There's the, okay, what's really happening? This is abuse. And then there's, oh, this feels kind of good or whatever. But they're two entirely different things, what you're saying. Yes. And what, what your brain does is it goes, oh, this is something sexual. It could, it could be something that you're, you are not, you're like, whoa, that's repulsive. That's not anything I'm interested in. Your brain that is operating that autonomic nervous system, it, it doesn't care. It doesn't care if you morally think that that's arousing or if that's your sexual preference or whatever. Or if you're, a lot of times in pornography, they mix the violence with the sex. 
Mm. So you're, you're watching something horrific and violent, but your body's like, let's go. So in your mind, you're going, oh, this is something I'm attracted to. This is who I am. And it's not. So what you're saying is like, if you're being abused by your aunt or uncle or cousin, your brain's not saying, oh, that's my cousin, What's whatever. It's saying I'm sexually aroused. So it doesn't say I'm being sexually abused or sexually aroused by my cousin, aunt, uncle, whatever. It's just saying I'm being aroused. It's saying something sexual is happening. Okay. Yeah. doesn't matter who's doing it. It, So the brain doesn't say that's my uncle. This is wrong. It's saying something sexual has happened to me. Right. And it could be in, uh, I mean, imagine all things that you would not be sexually interested in, but if it involves sex, your body will respond, can, will respond to it. So the reason I, the reason I talk about that, I mean, it's just super interesting fact about human sexuality anyways, but it's the number one thing that the therapist that they interviewed, I said, what's the thing that people 60 years, 40, 50, 60 years later are still in therapy for? And that is the number one thing is it felt good or I had an orgasm or I, my, my body responded in a positive way hmm. to the abuse. That is the number one thing that people can't get over. They have a really hard time with that. So I, I teach parents to teach the kids about the autonomic nervous system. Can I, can I tell you that little lesson that I have? Sure. <laughs> okay. So what you do is, you know, I, I always encourage parents to go outside because when you're, when you're talking about any of this, it's easier for us as adults. We're, we're the blocks. Kids are just open, but they, they don't have any shame. They don't think about any of this stuff. You're going on a hike and, you know, you sit down for lunch, you get a piece of grass and you play a game. You sit in front of each other and you get a piece of grass and you tickle each other's face and the nose and whoever, you know, the game is that you're going to try not to sneeze, get goosebumps to blink your eye or whatever. And that's all you do is just kind of have this little connecting moment. Right. And then later you can be like, isn't it weird? I didn't want to blink. I didn't want to sneeze. I didn't want to get goosebumps, but my body just did it. My body just responded. I had no control. Isn't that weird? It's like my body's got a mind of its own. And then you just leave it. It's as far as the conversation needs to go. Maybe, maybe you could have another, oh, isn't that, I, I've got like the shivers or it's that whole mind of its own thing again. And then as they get older and as it's needed, you'd be like, you know what? You're on, you're on the internet and I know a lot of other kids might be showing you stuff. I just want to let you know that your body will respond. Remember how it has kind of a a mind of its own? That doesn't mean that if you see something like, you know, gosh, who knows what you could see on with with the free pornography, that that doesn't define you as a person. It doesn't define your sexual preference. That's not you. That's just your body. That's very interesting. I've never heard it put that way before, but I can understand completely what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's my my whole MO with the kids is to introduce these I mean that's a pretty intense concept with you know little things when they're young and just build on it be like oh isn't that interesting isn't that interesting and if anything ever does happen to them they have that groundwork that's not me I've known that since I was little I knew the difference between my body responding a certain way and then as they get older you can 
should and hopefully will talk to them about pornography and you just pull that messaging in. You know how we played that game where we tickle each other and we got that, like our bodies just respond a weird way? Same thing will happen when you're watching pornography. And the industry wants you to think that you were sexually attracted to violence and sex together. Because guess what? You can't get it anywhere else unless you break the law. We are your sole provider for your specific sexual preference. And of course, in the day and age we live in now, if you just mistype the URL for a website, you could very easily go to a porn site. So it's not, I mean, it's not that difficult. To find. You don't have to go to Google and type in free no. porn. You can just go to a, a legitimate site, get one letter wrong. And believe me, the pornographers, they know this. They know, I think a, a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistakenly, someone got Britney Spears website and they spelled, I think her name is S-P-E-A-R-S. And they spell the S P E E R S. And if you don't know how to spell it, it went to a porno site. Now I didn't go to this, so I'm just this is what I read someplace. Right. And but yeah. that's how they that's how they work. They just they want to get you into the world, and then they say this is okay, and then all of a sudden you start having all these issues, which haunt you for a very long time. Yeah, and Mark, the pornography addiction is real. Yeah, it's so real, and it's yeah. Gosh, I mean, there used to be stories. Uh, of drug dealers giving what they called smack packs out to the kids, like little, just little samples, you know, Mm -hmm. to get the kids addicted. And then they've got a lifetime client. It's so, it, it's so similar. It's so similar and it's totally avoidable. We just got to talk about it. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm 54. Maybe my memory's going on me. We had the pre-interview call not too long ago. We were talking about pornography didn't you tell me that every man and woman has seen pornography at some point in their life? You know, I don't know if I said that. that okay. That's a, that's it could have been I was talking to someone else. So <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, if somebody hasn't, God love my grandma, but she she would give me the Harlequin romance books. Like, I guess it's like define pornography as well. You know, my grandma gave me Harlequin romance books to read. <laughs> oh my gosh, grandma. Like I, and she's, she's the most godly woman I know. So I, you, and Fabio was on the cover. How could you not know that there was going to be erotica in there? Goodness, but whatever. Grandma, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, I, sneaky. But, you, but you're <laughs> right about the pornography. I mean, it is so prevalent. I mean, back before there was this thing called the Internet, you used to have to go to the local convenience store or a bookstore and you'd go. Well, I would used to go with my buddies and I'm not going to look. I used to look like a playboy. I'm not going to I'm not lying. I mean, I was a boy. You know, what do you what do you I'm hey, not going to lie. Girl and I looked at the at the Playgirl magazine. Yeah. I and, did you have, did you, I used to have scouts. So we'd have a guy go up there. One of the guys would go up there and <laughs> ask about gum or, and, and the guys would be looking and they'd be on the top shelf behind, you know, all covered up and stuff like that. But that's back in the seventies and eighties. Now you can get your MacBook or your iPhone and go in your room and you can just surf the internet. And there's all these sites. I mean, there is, you could never go to every porn site in the world. It's impossible. And it's an epidemic. You're a hundred percent right. And I can't help. But wonder how that affects, especially boys, to a certain degree girls, but to a certain part boys, when they're exposed to pornography all day, all week, all month, all year, that's got to do something to really increase their arousal and their aggressiveness, or am I all based on that? 
Well, first of all, I want to say it's, it doesn't matter. I mean, the boy and girl thing, meh, like it, it, it's one and the same. Everybody, I mean, women may be less likely to admit to it, but women consume pornography at a high level as well. Um, but yeah, totally. It's totally a mind twist. Like I said, it's the, it's that combination of what you can't get in real life. If you can get it in real life, the, it's pornography is like me. You know, nobody's nobody's going to be paying for that kind of a thing. So that's that's where the real money is made is when you can't get that kind of arousal anywhere else or kind of an experience. But well, I heard, I heard pornography is kind of like when you start taking drugs. So you start looking at the soft porn, like the playboy and stuff like that. And then it doesn't satisfy anymore. So you, then you go harder, 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 and you get more and more vivid and more violent and all this really gross stuff. And it's kind of like drugs, you know, you get, that's why I heard, I never taken drugs, but I heard they give you the first couple hits for free. And then you get hooked, and then they start charging more money. I, apparently, that's true. At least that's what they say in the cop shows on TV. But I got to believe it's true because they want to get you into their world. So a lot of signs, you get like seven days, two days, 40 hours of free porn. And then then you're whipping out your credit card, and you're charging thousands of dollars a year on credit card. Because now, like you said, you can't get enough of it. You can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. And you know what, Mark? I I would love if... The real issue is like, I I mean, I could speak to pornography as a general thing. I used to, we talked about this before, but I was a commercial editorial advertising photographer in my, my first career and I worked for Playboy, but the, not that that's like bragging or apologizing, whatever it was. It was like a, a real turning point in my life after that photo shoot, but it's the free pornography, which blows my mind. It, that's the part that is shocking to me is that it's free. If we could put a credit, if we had to put our credit cards in, I wouldn't be talking about it. Hmm. Honestly, if you have a credit card and you want to buy pornography, then there's that age barrier. As an adult, I don't, your, that's your deal. I'm not a huge, I'm not a fan of pornography for a whole host of reasons, but the free pornography, kids having access to it, that's, that's what the big issue is right now. And check this out, Mark, 500, there's been a 500% increase of child on child sexual assault. And these are, this has been in the last couple of years. These are the pediatric, pediatric forensic nurse examiners that are reporting this. These are the the folks on the front lines that are the ones examining the kids are reporting a 500% increase because the kids are watching the pornography and acting it out. Hmm. It's like the, you know, acting out power Rangers or star Wars or something like that. If their entertainment is pornography, which if you're giving your kid an iPad and sending them off to bed, you're out of your mind to think yeah. that your kid isn't watching pornography because it will find them. Everybody's like, oh, my kid's a good kid. Ah, oh, oh, please. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> always good kids in, until you find out what they're really looking for on the internet. So Right. And it doesn't, it, it, it's not a good kid, bad kid thing. It's like 
if you see that, you cannot look away. It's extremely difficult for even adults who are supposedly have self-control to look away from it. There's no way a kid's going to look away from that. Well, I remember a story uh, as a Christian. Um, I don't know if you are, but I'm a Christian. And there's a story from a singer named Clay Cross, a godly man. He got steeped in the pornography. He actually wrote a book about it. He struggled with it. Anybody can be grasped by the addiction to pornography. So don't think, oh, I go to church every week, or I go to the mosque every week, or I go to synagogue every week, or I'm, I've got a, I'm married with four kids, I'm happy. It can get anybody. And if you yeah. think that you are immune, you're lying to yourself. Would you agree? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it around. So as I am a Christian as well, I'm going to say you're higher risk because of the lack of communication around it. So it's, it's like the sexual abuse in the churches and pastors struggle with pornography big time. And it's so difficult to admit to it. So nobody's getting help. So if you're married with kids and you're going to church and everything like that, I, I'm going to say you're it. And you know, however you want to say it, God, the enemy, I mean, you're a target. Yeah. You're absolutely a target. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much I, I don't speak like that very often, but I'd say the enemy is like, wants so badly to grab a hold of you and to twist that and to twist your sexuality, which is like an absolutely God giving gift to twist that beautiful. I mean, sex is a wonderful, amazing miracle of life. It's incredible. And it, the the enemy, the, the evil wants to make that into something bad. And it's so easy with pornography. It's like, it's like a highway of sexual manipulation. Yeah. And just so people are not unclear, God didn't create pornography. The devil did. Okay. Right, there, right, right. There, <laughs> you, when you go to heaven, there's no pornography. Okay. <laughs> just want to point that out. So Emily, this has been a great conversation. Uh, it's a very delicate topic, but... Um, I'm glad you came on the show. I was stunned a couple weeks in church. They were talking about some statistics, and I found out that my home city now of Houston, Texas, is the number one sex trafficking city in the United States. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with what we're really talking about on the show, but it really horrified me. You know, I know we're the fourth largest city in the country. Eventually, if Chicago keeps killing themselves, we'll be number three, but that's another a topic for another podcast, but it just amazes me that we are the number one city for sex trafficking. And that's one of the reasons why I want to have you on the show, you know, the sexual abuse, the sex trafficking, because I think a lot of people, they put their nose up at it and like, oh, it's not my world. Yeah. If you're in America, it's part of your world. And I guarantee you, because you mentioned on the show that people don't talk about it. Everyone listening to the show knows someone who has been sexually abused, you mm-hmm. just don't know they've been abused. Would you agree with that? Oh, I, you probably know 10. It's, it's, it's so, it's so, so common, but you know what, Mark, I want to, I want to say something real quickly about the sex trafficking Sure. because I, I, I work with some, uh, I empathize as an incredible group and they actually go into the schools and they educate about trafficking. So one of the things that's a, a massive misconception about trafficking that it affects a lot of things, but the, the, the myths around it are that people are kidnapped into sex trafficking. And that's, that's something a lot of times if, if a kid ends up 
in sex trafficking, a lot of times the parents will say that they have been kidnapped. But this is this is the heartbreaking fact about people who are sex trafficked is the struggle to get them out of that situation is huge. But it keeps going because they can't stop them from running away and going back. Mm. They voluntarily go into the situation where most of the time, a lot of the time, they voluntarily go, say they're runaways, and they find a romantic partner who's going to take care of them. And uh, part of the deal is like, hey, we need some money. Will you sleep with some of my friends to get us some cash? I love you. We're soulmates. Like this, like, hey, I've got this other person. We're going to bring them in. They're going to make more money. I want you to be in charge of them. It is a, it is a, it's not a, it's not being held hostage physically as much as mentally. It's a much more complicated, I dare say, sophisticated situation. You know, they always, there's all this stuff that you're so afraid that your kid's going to get taken. I can't let my kid play in the yard by themselves because somebody's going to come and sex traffic them. It doesn't work that way. They don't want people who run away. They want these girls that will stay wow. or boys or whoever that will stay on their own. And that takes a lot more finesse and grooming before that can happen. So statistically runaways um, and LGBTQ plus, which are often rejected by their families. Those are the primary targets. If they don't feel like they've got a safe place at home, they become prime targets for sex trafficking. That's very sobering what you just shared with us. Very sobering because I did not know that. Yeah, very it's, sobering. Yeah, it's interesting because when I first started my podcast, How to Raise a Maverick, it, that was that was what is inspired me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I got I've got to do something. It was completely a calling from God. Like Emily, take action now. <laughs> um, and I thought, you know, I can't go in and like bust. You know, they've, they've, I think it's called the Underground Railway or something like that. I can't remember the name of it. They go in and like go in and do the physical bus to release kids all over the world. That's not, I, you know, I got a kid. I, I'm not, I'm not really that person. I thought, you know what I'll do though? I'll help parents raise kids who don't become traffickers. Like, how did, how did people get to the point where they're actually trafficking kids? Oh my gosh. Um, but that's when I really dug into that topic and I'm like, wow, this is, this is complicated. This is a, a much more sophisticated situation than I thought. Wow. Well, you opened my eyes and my ears and my heart, and I have no doubt you did the same for my audience. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can we find more out about you online? So the best place, I have my podcast, which is everywhere, How to Raise a Maverick. And right now, my website, if you go to YWS, that stands for Young, Wild, and Safe, YWSEDU.org, I have a pretty stellar, it's not stellar, it's awesome, free course going. (laughs) I'm not even going to back down. It is I, it's called the powerful predator repellent and it's everything that I, all the research that I've done kind of fine tuned in what to do to make sure your family is never targeted by 
a predator. So it's, it's the, it's the bomb. I've been working on it for a long time. So you can sign up for it there at ywsedu.org or Google how to raise a maverick and go through the website and you'll find it there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking to us about this very delicate topic. You gave us a lot of information. and I have no doubt the people who heard this are saying, hmm, what can I do to be part of the solution instead of ignoring it? Because like we talked on the pre-call, and I remember we did talk about this in the pre-call, back in Nazi Germany, there were concentration camps in neighborhoods, and they were bringing the Jews right past these houses, and people were just going about their lives, ignoring the problem. Don't ignore the problem, folks. It's rampant. Like like Emily said, don't say, oh, it doesn't affect me. No one in my family is suffering through this. Yes, they are. Emily's got Absolutely. the statistic to build into it. So, Emily, thank you so much for being on the show. You are a rock star. Thank you, Mark. You as well. We're both rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> we know it. <laughs> and just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Remember, Mr. is all spelled out. You can A, join the free seven-day productivity challenge. B, you can find out about my one-on-one productivity coaching. C, you can find out where I am on social media because when you do, you can send me a, a message and tell me what you thought of the episode, what ideas you have for future episodes, what other topics would you like to hear on the show? You can do that all at mrproductivity.com. Unless we're already connected on social media, then you can just send me a message. I really appreciate your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I love you so much. Please, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show so more people find it. And don't forget to tell other people that, hey, I heard the show. You got to check it out. Maybe if they don't know anything about podcasting, maybe borrow their phone, download the podcast so they can get the benefit that you did. So thank you again for listening to this episode. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.